Wow, he scored Cool Hand Luke, Bullet, Coogan's Bluff, Hell in the Pacific. Um, what? Dirty Harry, The Beguiled. The Dirty Harry score rules. Enter the Dragon? Mm hmm. What on earth? Okay, just fucking tell me, did he score? He scored The Manitou? Yeah. What? He the scored world? The Exorcist. Amityville 2, The Possession? Yep, but uh, William Friedkin hated it. And he threw it he out. He scored Ladies Club. You're right. Oh, he hated the Exorcist score and he got tubular bells? Yeah. Is that what happened? Yes. I always wondered why the fuck you would name your band Tubular Bells. And then I heard the Exorcist soundtrack and I was like, oh, okay. That's like your thing. That's all they play. They just play on some Tubular Bells. I also don't think that's the band's name. Yeah, that's the it, Tubular Bells. It's the, the song name. name. Yeah, it's the song. Really? What's the band's name? What the band was called? Remember. Tubular Bells. It's like trans siberian orchestra no it, it's like it's something like that though and it's like um no it's mike oldfield yes and that like creepy part is like the first like minute of the album and it goes and the album the album is tubular bells which is like 45 minutes long. yes it's wow. just one okay, long, okay. like music piece i don't yeah i always thought that the the band was Tubular Bells. I was like, what a fucking weird name for Now you band. have to start a grindcore band named Tubular Bells. Tubular Bells. Tubular Bells. All right. Uh, Are we ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why not? I feel like this is going to be this be an easy one. If we could stay awake. We can do it. We can do it. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. All right. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive on a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And the three of us just got back from the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. We went to a 12-hour movie marathon all exploitation films called X-Fest from Exhumed Films. And we are a little tired and out of it. It's not nearly as bad as if you listen to our episode from about six months ago, I think exactly six months ago, we went to the Exhumed Films 24-hour horrorthon where we basically stayed there until 1 p.m., drove home an hour and a half, slept for an hour, and then recorded, and we sounded insane. Yeah, we were awake for at least 30 hours before we started recording the fucking podcast, and we sound nuts. I feel like we're a little more on the level today, except the only thing is that, like, the only thing we're really feeling is for the last, like, day or so, all we've eaten is popcorn and Mike and Ike's and fucking peanut M&M's. And, I mean, I had like three regular Cokes before I had the good sense to switch over to Diet Coke. And also, I feel like everyone listening to this show, you're, you're probably the kind of person who knows what it's like to just eat popcorn for a whole day. And yeah. drink nothing but coffee for 12 hours, and coffee and alcohol. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're fine over here. We're little, not fine. A little tummy ache maybe, <laughs> but... uh. Nothing that, you know, a caffeine-free Diet Coke won't just uh, fix right up. But it was worth it. I mean... Yeah, I fucking love the X-Fest. Fucking the X-Fest rocks. And and I know we've talked about Exhumed Films pretty extensively in, in the past. So, real quick before we get on... This episode is basically going to be like fucking Nerd Sports Center. We just got back from this fucking awesome seven-movie, 12-hour marathon. And, you know... Yeah, it's it's we're on ESPN. It's Sports Center for fucking weebs and dweebs, 
and you know we're sitting around a big desk we're all wearing uh ironic bow ties and there's a cardboard cutout of richard roundtree's shaft i don't know it, i don't know what sports center is i've never fucking seen it all i know about sports center is they always have the greatest ties yeah. not bow ties real ties I, I feel like I've seen some, like, purple bow ties worn by, like, Shaq or something on that show. I don't know. What, what, what I do think I know? the Philly sports guy wears weird stuff. Yeah. Everyone in The fucking... action news. I, well, maybe. I don't know the Philly news. I know action news, but maybe it's not action news. John, anyway, sorry. I don't I, know anything about sports. Be honest. Have you ever watched the news? Action news? Well, while growing up, it was on uh, right Schwartz. before The Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> See, it came on before The Simpsons. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we, <laughs> we've talked about exhumed films in the past, so I feel like we don't really need to go into like a deep history lesson. I mean, listen to our 24-hour episode if you really want to hear more about exhumed films. But real quick, they basically are this local collective of people who have been curating these 35-millimeter and 16-millimeter cult film screenings for well over two decades now. Uh, they started out doing these double and triple features at a small theater in New Jersey, where they played like Fulci flicks, cannibal flicks, you know, all kinds of crowd-pleasing horror. And eventually they got set up at this great auditorium theater in Philly that was attached to an international student housing center. R.I.P. Yeah, that was an awesome, awesome space. Um, and they, their double and triple features, they continued on, but the crowds started kind of dwindling. They weren't really massive like they were in the earlier days. And... The rumor has it that they were starting to run out of steam behind the scenes a little bit because I imagine, you know, buying all these fucking 35 millimeter prints and, and properly storing them, uh, you know, doing all these events only to have like 15 people show up, you know, half of them being us three. Yeah. You know, it's it was probably disheartening. So uh, what else do people fucking do? I don't fucking know. That's I don't the other know. thing. I'm thinking like X Fest, twelve hours exploitation movies. It would sell out in thirty seconds. It's the yeah, only thing like right? the East Coast you know? doing that, and it never does, which is insane. To yeah, me. and I'm like freaking out early in the morning. Like we got to get in line at six a.m. and it starts at noon because I don't want I'm gonna get a good seat. But it's like no one's we're, we're fine. Okay, so anyway, they decided to kind of uh, go for broke in their 10-year anniversary of Exhumed Films existing in, I think, like 2007. Yeah, 2007. They put on this 24-hour horror-thon, and it was make or break. I mean, and if it was the same dwindling crowd, then, you know, that was that. But wouldn't you know it, it was a huge fucking hit, packed theater, people bringing in, like, coolers of booze, and like they pass out in the wee hours all over this sleeping fucking sleeping bags all over all, the floor. It was, and it the was madness. Some psycho brought in a tent. I and think pitched maybe two people brought tents. God bless them. I mean, what a fucking move. But basically, Exhumed Films was back, baby. You know, this was a huge hit. And then a few years later, they were like, okay, you know what? Let's try something a little different. They tried their hands at a shorter marathon, leaner and meaner. The first X-Fest was born. John, how would you describe the X-Fest? Perfect. <laughs> it's, it's 12 hours of the cream of the crop exploitation movie. In the, not in the sense that you're always getting classics, but the fact that you're always getting something obscure. Like you'll, you'll get like something you know, like Assault on Precinct 13 or Class of 1984, but then you'll get something... Like Cutthroat's Nine, yeah, or, Crazy Western, uh, uh, that the Mafu Cage, you yeah. know what Dog I mean? Day, uh, right? Just and like 
shit that's like brand new. To, yeah. I mean, to you, or at least Bra- to me, yeah, brand new to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah and no, like, for sure. to me, that's something fucking special. Like yeah. on thirty-five millimeter, and with a crowd that's like into it. It's it's, no, it's Christmas. It's, yeah, it's it's magical. It's also great because to me, they're sort of like polar opposite events. Like the Harathon is always sold out for years now. I think by the third Harathon, they started selling them out. And as much as I love Harathon, and, you know, like Charles said, if you want to hear more about Exhumed's history and what Harathon's all about, listen to our episode. But I think. Harathon does, in a way, get a little exhausting because there are so many movies every year that I've already seen. And it's 24 hours, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a fucking, it's a marathon. Like, I can't imagine staying awake through that shit sober. And, like, you don't have any personal space because the first, like, three years of Harathon were great because people would start to clear out by, like, 4 a.m. So for... Sometimes for, even earlier, yeah. too. Like, so for yeah. almost the last... Ba- for like the back half of Harthon, it was a decent amount of people, but like you could have a couple seats to yourself and put your feet up. Whereas the last ten Harthons, yeah, it's, no, and, and, it's and not it, the case. But also, I think that's fucking sick. Like, I I would like to spread out a little bit, but also the fact that like so many people stick it out to the end like it used to be like there was like a small handful that made it to the end and they're like wow i can't believe you guys are still here and now it's like fucking people stick it out and that's you love to see that shit but i also think like harry has to intentionally program more popular things for horrorthon because it's october it's halloween people want horror movies and they want some hits that they know in there as well as some more obscure stuff. But for X-Fest, it's it's great because like it's six months after Harathon and before the next Harathon. So it's like they sort of bisect the year. But X-Fest, it's all like the diehard cult movie fans who probably don't give a shit about mainstream horror movies or like they like them. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But like these are people who are all really excited about 60s and 70s and 80s exploitation movies that they've never even heard of like we had erica from unsung horrors fly in from austin uh matt one of our listeners from minneapolis came in like yeah no it's people travel for it it, it, there's a difference between like movie fans that love the movies they love and movie fans that love movies and are like ready to like indiana jones it to find like a new one yeah i think that's that's like a big division line. For sure. And th- that's what I love about the X-Fest is that like the Horathon, they give you this list of hints before the whole thing so starts. Good. Or uh, X-Fest, they just they post them on the door. They're not printing out a million fucking things for everybody. But during Horathon, they have you like guess. See how many movies you can guess, you know, out of the 14 or so they play. Uh, for X-Fest, they're like, you're not even going to fucking guess these. We're not even going to ask you to guess these because... Uh, you're you just, won't know. You won't fucking know. Maybe you, you'll know one or two, but you won't maybe. know. You have to, and you have to get lucky, you know, to to guess the right one because the clues are so vague, and it's like there's so many fucking movies they can be, and also I kind of low key, I'm, I'm on your side, John. So I know every year during Harathon, you don't want to guess. 
Like you're like, fuck guessing. I don't want to guess. And the reason why I assume, because this is what happens to me, is I guess these movies and my guesses are really the movies that I'm like, I I wish it would be. You know, I'm guessing like, oh, I love this movie. I'd love to see that. And what turns out happening for the X-Fest every year is that I've never seen a single one of these movies. Like this year is the first one of the first X Fests. I haven't seen a single movie on here. This was my first time viewing all seven of these films, and it's just it's wonderful. Like I mean, it's so cool. And like the ones that I that I was like I was certain movie number two is going to be this. Well, we'll get there. And when it wasn't, I was like, oh man, I wanted to watch, but it's like fucking. Yeah, I I run into this problem as well. Don't even guess. I do the same thing for Harathon where like I'll help other people if they want like assistance guessing, but I don't really do it because, and as you said, we'll talk about this more in a minute, but like when I get my heart set on what something is going to be and then it's not, I'm usually like a tiny bit salty. Yeah, a little betrayed. Like, <laughs> hey, Harry, what the fuck you doing, not, bud? Not me. Only only if it turns out to be a movie I don't want it to be. Like a movie I know and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. That's the only time. But when it's like, oh, I hope it's this. And then it's like, I don't know what this is. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So many years, the movies that I, like during these events that I would leave during are like, sometimes great movies but it's like i've seen this great movie a million times the only movie that i want to eat during is a movie that i've seen right you know but then i like regret it like god damn like what am i gonna yeah, fucking so watch much regret like even when it's like a dumb movie like texas chainsaw massacre 3 no offense to any tcm3 stands out there but like whoa whoa don't make fun of vigo vigo's fine it's ken <laughs> foray Ken Forey's like, okay, fuck it. We're not talking about yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Come 3. On. What I'm saying is that <laughs> I went bad the ledge. Okay, I got dinner during that movie, and I later came to regret it because I was like, you know what, fucking, I probably would have, you know, had fun watching it, you know? I don't know, I don't know. So now when I, at all these marathons, I'm only eating popcorn. I'm not leaving my fucking seat, you know? Maybe I'll smoke some cigarettes here and there, but, like, I don't want to, I don't want to leave the theater. I'm locked in. And you guys want to get on to it? You guys want to start talking about some of these movies? Yeah. Okay, so movie number one was an action crime thriller featuring an all-star cast of fan favorites. Did either of you have any guesses for this? When you said three the hard way, I was like, that's it. Oh, yeah, because... Yeah, spoiler. None of the the clues on here were black exploitation movies. And I thought maybe movie number one is going to secretly be a black exploitation movie, but not like say it outright. That's something Harry would totally do, right? Because if you said like like uh, black exploitation with like three main, you know exactly what it is. Exactly, so you can't but really... say action crime thriller featuring an all star cast. Anyway, we were wrong. I was wrong. It was not that. This film was High Risk, a 1981 American British Mexican co-production. Uh, which is this like adventure heist movie? It's a romp. It, men, men on a mission. Yeah. A little bit of everything. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was a man on a mission movie. Except they were all dads. It was like suburban dads on a mission. Adios Airlines. We just know you're gonna love it down there. The natives are friendly. The women are willing, and they just love Americans. Because down there is five million dollars and a high-risk adventure that never lets you down, down there. Here we come! High risk. Adios. High risk starts Friday at a theater near you. Check newspapers for theaters and showtimes. 
it's funny as it was started it starts with them like all looking like they're about to go on a fishing trip yeah which is the the ruse right and i was thinking like as they're like putting their fishing poles down i was like it would be really funny if this is all just a ruse and they're gonna go like on a heist or something and then ernest borgnine shows up and they start buying guns from him. I'm like, oh my god, okay, cool. And this somehow is awesome. steals the movie, basically. Yeah, in like one five minute scene. Every yeah, he's he's just a pro. Like he just owns every yeah. scene. Like when he just pops up, even as just a, a little thing like that, he's it's his movie. So basically, these like four suburban dads are flying to some unnamed country in South America to rip off a million dollars from this cocaine kingpin played by james coburn who is fucking amazing and i think yeah. it's i think it's like five million dollars well yes. no 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 it was one million and when they got there it was five yeah it started off at one and then when they got there, like holy shit baby it's five million and like obviously it doesn't all go according to plan but, but james yeah i i shouldn't even say that ernest borgdine steals the movie because between Ernest Borgnine, James Coburn, and Anthony Quinn, you have this like all same generation Hollywood character actors just it's like they each have their time to shine. Yep, they too. each get their own little like ten minute section. Anthony Quinn gets the most. And, yeah. And is just terrific. Wild. When Anthony Quinn showed up, I looked over at Sam. And because I'm a fucking idiot, I don't know who these actors are. I look over at Sam and I whisper, is that John Houston? That would be wild if it were. Yeah. And Sam's like, no. And then I moved over to John. And I'm like, who's that guy? And you were like, it's Anthony Quinn. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, so we should also say that they go to his beautiful compound and they talk about like going into the jungle in Central America, but it's really just like Oregon. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> All their jungle scenes are just shot in the Pacific Northwest. It's like nothing but evergreen trees, <laughs> you know? It's Like it's... you could smell the pine needles. Yeah, I think later they got some like shots in Mexico. Like they went to like Tijuana for yeah, like a yeah. few or shots. like Southern, Southern California. Yeah, there's a beautiful yeah. waterfall that has to be like not America. You'd be surprised. There's some nice sights in this uh in this piece uh, of shit yeah, country I guess. I guess. but but yeah i mean but despite that i had a really nice time with this movie it was it was like a hollywood movie so it wasn't particularly sleazy or like exploitative but it was definitely just like this rare gem that was never really on my radar so it was really nice to open the day with something that felt light and fun right so fun. and but all like, the jokes were landing like the whole crowd was into yeah, it yeah we were yeah we were having a great time with that flick for sure i mean and and i know some some people didn't like it my my homie philip who uh runs the tie poster bliss instagram account was like yeah wasn't feeling that uh stupid dad movie i don't think I phil like, likes whimsy there's a, there's a lot of whimsy in this movie well, i'm well, not a big whimsy fan either but i i also like but i was you like in... cute animals and so the real stars of the movie it's four suburban dads and a dog who oh they my God, bring with them dog. on this mission like the dog jumps out of a plane with them being held by somebody in a parachute the and dog's by, the by cleavon too. little cleavon little carries this dog around it's so good uh, yeah his what he was saying was that he liked 
every single time that it was like Borgnine Coburn or Anthony Quinn. Right. But then we were hanging out with these four wishy-washy wingwom dads. He was like, yeah, I don't fucking care about them. James Brolin, though, wasn't really a wishy-washy dad. He no. was He was like he wandered in from a different movie than the dads. Yeah, he was definitely... He's got a broad fucking chest. You know yeah, what I'm saying? His yeah. chest was one of the stars of this movie. And this was my, my takeaway in the end of... After watching it, James Brolin is someone who I feel like didn't quite have the career that he deserved. Like, I could see him being on the level of, like, uh, like a Burt Reynolds or even, like, a Steve McQueen-type guy. But he just, like, he wasn't really in much. I mean, he was in a lot of movies, but he wasn't, you know, like a big fucking guy. You know, oh, he man. was big in stature, or yeah, still, yeah, yeah. still is big in stature. Baby Josh, you know, had a has is a bigger name than James. I forget what the story is. It's just jumped in my head, but somehow he got the Amityville Horror producers to give him like a chunk of. I think like he tr- thought the movie was going to be a hit, and put points in. For his contract rather than like money. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, because they thought this was just going to be like a fly by night. Like this will be a number one for the weekend. And he got like so much more money than he normally would have because he actually believed in the Amityville horror, which turned out to be a smash hit. Damn, I mean, good for him. I don't understand why he should have been in Amityville too. Yes, that's the real, yeah. the real gem. But yeah, I love James. He's in. Uh, have you ever seen Night of the Juggler? Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. No, I haven't. I was saying earlier today that like, okay, that's the big James movie I haven't seen. When 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 his name came up in the in the titles at the very beginning, I thought that's what we were gonna get. I thought we were gonna be like, oh shit, we're gonna start with Night of the Juggler. Yo, don't I don't know anything about it. It has a ridiculous fucking title, and people talk about it like it's this crazy intense fucking movie. So I. I don't even know what I'm going to get. It's, it's fun. It's so good. It's also something that I got lucky because of Harry and was able to see on a 16 millimeter print, wow. which he has, and he showed at Philomoka one night. Oh, sick. The Saturday movie will continue after these messages. Daddy's little girl is missing. How are you going to find her? Somebody took her. Somebody's gonna pay. You wanna see your kid alive again? Daddy will make sure of that. Daddy! You're giving me a million bucks, you'll never see your kid again. James Brolin, a broadcast premiere. Night of the Juggler. Sunday night at 6, only on Channel 11. Alright, you guys wanna move on to movie number two? This is where things get a little, uh, Get a little spicier. Movie number two. A little more contentious, maybe. Yeah. Is a rape revenge film with a decidedly feminist slant. So when I was going through the list of hints in the beginning, and I saw that movie number two was a rape revenge movie, I was like, holy shit. We're not wasting any fucking time Yeah, they time usually here. wait until a little later yeah. to get to yeah, the Yeah, the first stuff. few movies is like, you know, a Western, a Kung Fu, a, a, you know, a goofball, sex comedy. And then they're like... Then they hit you with the fucking rape revenge around like, you know, seven o'clock, you know, later in the night. Yeah. And I was excited because I just immediately thought like, all right, Harry's going hard this year. There's going to be some real extreme exploitation movies. I was convinced that it was going to be Rape Squad. We all were. We all were like, okay, movie number two, no doubt in our minds. It's Act of Vengeance, a.k.a. Rape Squad. 
A.K. Give me one more bar of Jingle Bells. <laughs> <laughs> one more burp of Jingle Bells. But it wasn't. It was it not wasn't. Rave Squad. The the movie that we did get was a 1986 film called The Ladies Club, directed by Janet Greek under the pseudonym A.K. Allen. And it's also based on a book by two feminist authors called The Sisterhood. It could happen to any woman, anywhere, anytime. <coughs> but it happened to them. Something's got to be done. They watch the law in action. My God, they look like angels. Only 2% of these guys ever get convicted. And they've seen the guilty go free. We feel that justice has been served, and that's all that's important to us. They've been victims once. Well, damn it, something did happen. I was raped. But they won't be victims again. Sweetheart, remember me. Steady Eddie, baby. It just seems so hopeless. No, it's not. Not if we put them permanently out of commission. The Ladies Club. We're after the career rapists. Ed, listen, I'm going to be late for the meeting. They have their get-togethers. What we're doing is extremely dangerous. Their committees. The team that picks up the man is never the same team that releases him. Their rules. Wait! Under no circumstances is a team to split up. So scared for you. Welcome to the club. How do we write this up? Assault or robbery? After all, his personal effects are missing. <laughs> and I wonder if the book is better. I, I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Like, there was a lot of stuff that I dug about it. It Excellent premise. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the premise is a group of women get together, a mixture of women who have suffered from sexual assault and rape, and also people who were family members of, like, people who survived these assaults and attacks. And they get together and they form what in another movie is called a rape squad, but in this one they call it the ladies club. And what they decide to do, because they're like one of their leaders, one of the matriarchal figures in the film is this OBGYN who agrees to castrate men that they pick up drug and bring back to their, you know, lab space in this lady's house. Yeah, in her fancy upper middle class doctor house. Which like fucking a, a gang or like like picture in this flick it's like damn we got a gang of fucking roving ladies just picking up old sex offender creeps from like a list and like ganking off their junk and just leave and like that's wonderful stuff here you know like and the movie does have some real crowd pleasing moments but there were some things about it that i think are like political things and just like some weird takes that just left a really bad taste in my mouth it's so frustrating. So I'm glad that I got to see it. I'm glad we watched it on 35. Oh, yeah. But it's basically the liberal take on a rape revenge movie, which I, of course, say as a big insult. It it does a number of things that are pretty unforgivable. Like, first of all, from a sheer practical point, if all these women are getting together and the main character of the movie is a police officer who gets raped in the opening scene of the film by these three punks who look like they wandered out of Death Wish 3. They're these assholes. Yeah. But like, it's not a sleazy movie at all. It basically should be PG-13. Like you don't see, you see barely any violence. Yes. A lot of it's implied. But like the thing is, is after her assault... 
she's in the hospital and it's like this Ugh. and there's like all of these like there's like lady cops around her a lady OBGYN and it's like oh hey you're gonna be okay and so it's just like really nice scene which is like eh, it's nice to see in a movie sure but the thing is though is that a film like Rape Squad which is the movie that we thought it was gonna be it has that same scene except it's all these gross fucking like male cops asking her what she was fucking wearing and when they give her the rape kit it's like the most painful scene and it's just like it's it's hard to watch and it's very real and then but this movie does this thing where all of the cops are kind of like nice nice they're good guys they're all on her side because she's also a cop too and like it's like very pro cop but the thing is is that it's the it's just the courts the court system is what's unjust. The court system is the reason why we yeah, have we, yeah, we rape just kits. we just need to change the laws and then everything will be yes, fine. Yes, because the cops will they 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 just they follow yeah. So that it's, was kind of It's so That enraging. was kind of shitty. And and the other thing that No, I don't think it was kind of shitty. I think it was pretty unforgivable to like imply that if you get raped, it's going to be an easy process to give you your testimony and to physically heal and but thing is though is, is other than all of that the thing that actually like made me turn on the move or turn like on the movie or like be like yeah i don't like this shit i'm fucking you done ladies club is <laughs> the way that they treat a lot of survivors of sexual assault is to show them being so unable to take back their lives and and there's like one character who's just like catatonic and is like spilling food and like can't eat and it's like everyone they, the movie really makes it seem like you're fucked forever and there's this and the OBGYN character who eventually gets like revenge on the guy who raped her daughter as soon as she gets revenge she like kills kills herself yeah yeah and it's like that's what really and and it makes all of the revenge that they do get all of these awesome like trapping fucking creeps and castrations there's no catharsis in it because it feels like they are i don't know it, it doesn't feel as good as it does in rape squad which is a much sleazier and grosser movie so i get why that's harder to watch but yeah but it's more it's more honest it should be gross and sleazy yeah and and that's the thing that bugs me like I, you know, I've said this before on past episodes, but like as a rape survivor overall, I'm not bothered by rape revenge films and enjoy watching a number of them. I think Rape Squad is amazing. But with this one, it just it's this like gross liberal hot take on what we can do as as rape victims. And like half of the women are people like you said, people who just happen to be related to the rape victims because they're you know it's this act that when it happens to you you're just forever destroyed yes and 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 you must have a caretaker and and it really like it it almost feels like it was written by someone who like knew someone who was raped you know or some or like someone who's like oh my gosh i know exactly 
like, okay, I got, you know, I got this. Say no more. Allow me. Whereas, like, when, I, when you're watching Rape Squad, yeah, we're really advertising Rape Squad here. Great film. Yeah, but, but also, <laughs> but, if, if you haven't seen Rape Squad and you don't like hard exploitation movies, it is rough to watch. It's a rape revenge movie, you know. It, it, it comes... It's really sleazy. Yes. But it also has such better politics than this movie that, like... No, I, I, the thing is, though, like, this movie has like some scenes that are fun yeah yeah this movie feels like it's made for moms you know yeah. it's 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 sanitized yeah. but if you could have done that and made it more fun where it's like these this group of girls are really gonna fuck it it's they're like female charles bronson but not in like macho ways but in like yes. yeah we teamed up and like we're using our heads like they really come up with these plans to drug these guys and and like take them from place to place and then get them and have different alibis for everybody and you could have actually that could have been like a fun little movie especially for like the gnarly subject matter but then again it was the 80s so yeah because there's this really funny part where like they castrate a guy and it cuts to the next scene where they're at a bowling alley where everybody's throwing bowling balls and i was yeah. like oh wow that's a clever little like hard there. cut yeah. joke we yeah. haven't talked about the most offensive thing though yeah let's let's have it the most offensive thing and like it, it's sort of enraging me that I'm getting this angry about a rape revenge movie because normally I'm like, yeah. you know, these serve a particular function. They're great if you like exploitation movies. But now I, the more we talk about it, the madder I'm getting. The worst thing about this movie is so the premise is, as we've described, this policewoman uses her resources to pull files on people who have been repeatedly accused of rape who keep getting off and they either never go to jail or they get out of jail and they rape again. And that is offensive in and of itself. It's like, okay, well, we're only going to get the guys who have raped like 10 people. Like, and I get that they have to start somewhere, but the worst part is the movie doesn't come out and say this literally, but it gives you the message that, rapists are always strangers and criminals with mental problems and it never once addresses the fact that the majority of people who are raped are raped by someone they know often someone they're in a romantic relationship with or someone they're married to and the movie like never even touches that it just yeah my friend mark pointed out he was like they're in this small california suburb how many fucking serial rapists are finding their way into this tiny sub like yeah. It's just like, come on, And they're guys. all, like, fat guys with lazy eyes. Well, that's the just... other thing is that, like, it's so pro-cop, but then, like, it doesn't acknowledge the fact that she has a pile of rapists they all know about that nothing has been done for that they have to do a vigilante squad yep. to take care of. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about that. Like, nobody's like, hmm, that's kind of fucked up. Basically, what we're saying is the ladies' club, it's... Okay, we're definitely dunking on it, but it, I gave it three stars. It wasn't a bad fucking movie. There was I just had political beef with it, but like you know what, there were some fun moments. You could make a like a, a sick remix of it. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Some, like I would something actually, better. I almost never say this, but I would almost like to see a modern day remake that either goes way harder. And just has them fucking kill the rapists, or which is also more plausible on a rational level. Yeah, it just was so frustrating. I, I would I would go the opposite. I want them to remake it, but somehow go back in time ten years. 
Fair. They joined with a common cause and found a simple solution. Now, I don't actually do it. A doctor does it. You're one of those nuts I've been hearing about on the news. It's quick and permanent. Damn it, how could you do such a thing? They're taking justice into their own hands. <laughs> and hitting them where it hurts. The Ladies Club. I think I need to uh, sit down for a minute. It's not just coffee and cake anymore. Can I say one nice thing about the movie? Yeah, please. Nicholas Worth. Who's that? He's the big hulking rapist that they dump his body in the... Oh, yeah. I love that guy. He's in Don't Answer the Phone. He's fucking terrifying in that. Yeah. Don't Answer the Phone is so good. He's just like the perfect sleazoid. He's in a TV movie called The Rape of Richard Beck, where he rapes Richard Crenna. And it's like, yeah, it's like a... brutal Because it's like, he's a male cop. And, like, he does not know, like, how to tell people about it. And it's, like, wow. he starts as, like, a chauvinist pig. And then, like, uh, Nicholas Worth and his buddy, like, get him. And then it's Ew. it's pretty strong for a TV movie, too. But, like, Nicholas Worth has a look, and he fits the role yeah. he got. Yeah, but, like, yeah. I'm sure he was a nice guy in real life. Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. This just popped back in my head, too. Credits. You guys are walking out. And I'm playing on my phone. I look up. And it says transportation captain Darwin Justin. And I was like, no way. There, I guess there's another oh, Darwin the, Justin. He's the Napoleon Wilson from it. Yeah. I look on his IMDb page. He was a uh, in between movies. That was his other job. He, he would was, just drive whoa. people to set yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he did yeah. it for like got, 15 movies. Yeah, you got to work in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. I that's one of my favorite like weird pleasures is watching all of the credits and either noticing the totally wild names or like seeing somebody you know in unexpected like side or behind the scenes roles right right because people from like the smaller movies most likely did other jobs to stay afloat yeah you you love to see it and you know what else you fucking love to see movie number three movie number three the description that we got was fun b-grade bond exploitation. And I got to be real with you guys. When I read Bond exploitation, as in James Bond, uh, I wouldn't say that my heart sank, but in my head I was like, okay, this is probably going to be the movie that I can go, uh, you know, go get a sandwich and walk around, say hello to some people, and then maybe pop back in for a few scenes. Thank God we didn't. Thank fucking God. I- I'm usually not a fan of these Bond knockoffs because they're personally, I think they're they're usually not that good i like danger diabolic i mean there's some fun ones out there sam's shaking her head because she knows that there's a million great bond exploitations and i am just and a also, sweet summer child euro spy movies in general like yeah. you don't have to call them all bond exploitation though I, I know they nod back but yes. it's like a lot of them reference film noir and pulp novels from the 20s and 30s and it fits for this one though yes Yes. oh this one totally is this movie was deadlier than the male the gentle sex the weaker sex so charming so pretty so frail gentlemen beware they're deadlier than the male poor mr wingard Meet the original serpent, all snaked up and ready to strike. Elka Summer as Ekman, blonde, blue-eyed, killingly lovely. Silver Koshna as pretty Penelope with the taking ways. She'll take your life 
if she thinks it pays. Now here's an interesting male, Nigel Green as Carl Peterson. The guy that starred in it, uh, what's this? What's this guy's Richard name? Richard Johnson. Richard Johnson. So I didn't notice this off the bat, but like half the times when he was like looking to the right at certain angles, it was Sean Connery. It looked fucking spitting image of Sean Connery. There's a scene at the end where he's running between these like columns of these giant chess figures, and you just get like a shot of him for like a second, and I'm like, oh wow, okay, I see it now. I see yeah. why they got him. And he plays this classic detective from old old literature, Bulldog Drummond who I, I've read some of these old pulpy novels. I have, like, a stack of them. I've only read, like, one or two. Great names, great covers. I, I think he's not even really a detective. He's, like, an insurance... Oh, no, he's an insurance investigator, like an insurance adjuster-type guy, which, like, back in, like, the radio days, a lot of the detectives that were, like, big radio guys were like insurance guys because like during the commercials they would sell you on like fucking I don't know Geico or whatever <laughs> the 1930s version of Geico which might have been Geico <laughs> I mean these fucking insurance companies have been around for fucking ever there's a Bulldog Drummond Drummond movie from 1929 pre-code yeah oh there's a million of yeah, them there's, wow. there's, there's a Amazing. whole fuck ton of them wow he was okay. like he's, he's huge but I think in this movie they never called him Bulldog Drummond they called him Hugh, Hugh Drummond yeah I wonder why they did that. Maybe it's just like a fun combo of Bond and other pulpy type of stuff. And yeah. usually a lot of those movies do mash up quite a few things. Well, his name is Hugh. Like the character's fiction. Like oh, okay. Bulldog, okay that, that's kind of what I assumed that I was watching it was that Bulldog was like his nickname, obviously. But because they never once like... Like, you'd imagine at one point, like, the villain would be like, all right, bulldog, you know, or something like that would happen, because it would not have been out of place in this movie at all. And I guess if you can't tell from the tone of our voices, we fucking loved this movie. Loved it. I've been it was to see this so movie for much fun. And this was the perfect way to finally see it. Yeah. It was one of my favorite movies of the day, but as I think it's already clear... I love Eurospy movies. I always have such a good time with them. Even the kind of like substandard ones. I just, I think they're wonderful. And this one, it's like, it starts off. And so as the title implies, it's all about these like female agents who are just on this path of assassination. They're deadlier than the male. And destruction but what made it so great for me anyway is it's elka summer and sylvia koshina who you know elka summer's in a bunch of bava movies and sylvia is she the one with the mole um like right here she's the blonde one. Oh, okay okay and sylvia koshina the funny one she's yeah. in like italian art house movies and giallo films so seeing the two of them i fell in love with oh them i wanted them to kill me while i was watching this movie i was like oh my god like i wish i had some like giant oil company <laughs> so that way these girls can come and kill me and get like a million pounds out of it somehow they're incredible yeah like this this was to me this felt like a perfect James Bond movie. Like, it, it all around, if that was fucking uh, Sean Connery, and he fucking looked like him, and this movie was called, you know, 007 fucking 
deadlier than the male or double whatever. 007 versus the double d's yeah, <laughs> yeah double d7 <laughs> oh yeah i mean this would have been i mean it was i i would say there's some bond movies that i would t- or i would take this movie over some bond movies yeah yeah like if this was like linked up with the bond movies it would be like not as great as like like thunderball or goldfinger obviously but like it would be on like the back end of the top tier yeah, I mean, I would definitely take this over. What's the one where Sean Connery goes to fucking, like, Asia? For your you, eyes only? You, no, you only, only live, live twice. twice. You only live twice. With Donald Pleasance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of that one. Well, this does, it, it doesn't have, good. like, like the big car chases or, like, big brawls. It, it, it has, like, it's like a more low-key Bond one, yeah. which I, I was vibing with. Yeah, yeah. And it has so much great comedy. It's so funny. Like his nephew, all the cat. I mean, yeah, it was funny. It was it was a great time. The the villain at the end when it's like him and like the villain telling the master Nigel plan Green, who's so good. He he would like Richard Johnson would make like the Bond pun, and the villain would actually laugh. And I thought that was so much fun. Like he was in on the joke. Yeah, that he's hanging out with a James Bond ripoff, and he can't get enough of it. Yeah, well, it seems yeah, like like the villain actually genuinely liked him, and like th- like th- and that's the but reason like why the villain knew he was in a James Bond spoof, and he's yeah. like, I'm just gonna play along. And yeah, do this. But like you know how in a James Bond movie you kind of get aggravated when like listen, Goldfinger, you have the guy fucking tied up you're shooting a laser at his dick why don't you just shoot him in the head like right. there's so many times where it's like come on shoot this little fucking prick in the head and by little prick i mean sean connery but in this in the end like you were saying when the villain has him you know dead to rights and he's like giving him the master plan and he's like listen i want to keep you alive for a little while longer it's because he's having fun with them like they're actually having he fun wants together to play a game of giant robot chess with them yeah how you can know? you take that away from a man it's cool so cool piece. oh my god look at a fucking doctor who scene or oh something my god. also nigel green is one of those actors so there's a lot of crossover with deadlier than the male and you know like i said some other euro cult movies because of elka summer and sylvia koshina but there's also a lot of crossover between People involved in Hammer Horror, like Jimmy Sangster, wrote the film. And oh, yeah. also, Nigel Green is in a bunch of Hammer movies. And he's one of those actors who I love. And it really frustrates me that he doesn't have the same kind of level of reputation as somebody like, you know, Peter Cushing. Or not that anyone on earth is as wonderful as Peter Cushing, but like Nigel Green is great. And I think he kind of proves it in this movie. Yeah, I think this was the one when the credits were coming up. Every other name I would like look over. Like first I would look at you, Sam, and be like, damn. And then the next name would come up and I look over at John and be like, yo, damn. And I kind of went, kept going back and forth because like there was fucking sick names all over this flick. So fun. I, and I, I heard afterwards that there's like a few of these flicks. I think there's just one sequel. Oh, just one more? I can't wait to see who, it. Who recommended it to us? Uh, Bruce Holacek did and said that it's, you know, super fun and I just, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. But there, I mean, there are a lot of these Euro spy movies. But yeah, like, like I was saying about earlier, though, female spies. I, I'm not really a fan. I, okay. And it's not Bonds, but I'm not really a big fan of these Euro spy movies. Like a lot of times, like. Few people are. I feel like I'm alone a lot of the time. They're just usually. No, I'm down. Like, I'm down. 
Yeah, awesome. the budgets just sometimes are like a little too low and they're like really reaching for the moon and it's just like well, then that's, that's, maybe you'll have to take the week off when we do our Eurospy episode and our Fu Manchu episode. It, it's it, but those are coming. <laughs> th- I, I like that. You got to look at it the same way you look at science fiction. When like there's yeah. a science fiction movie that's like it's going further than its budget can allow, and you just got to like no, it's that's endearing. the charm. But yes. they're always yes. like two hours long. No, they're usually like eighty minutes. All right, all right. The well, you Euro know spy what? movies they're pretty short. Right now, I'm riding high, so I'm ready to fucking... I'm going to get down on the genre now. This almost had an X rating. Hell yeah. The producers battled the British Board of Film Censors, who strongly objected to the film's use of women assassins, torture, and (laughs) promiscuity. Oh, my God. uh, 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 Wow. Fucking the British Board of Censors, they're the most biggest prudes in the world. Yeah. Oh, Oh, can we say one more thing? Um. Richard Johnson was originally going to be James Bond. He was Terrence uh, Young's first choice. And uh, I'm glad they went with Sean Connery. Oh, yeah, looked, yeah. Sean Connery looks like he could like actually beat people up. I remember like, like hearing like when they had both of them like screen testing and stuff. Basically, you know the very beginning opening scene when they're sitting at the... Um, uh, when they first introduced James Bond, he's at sitting the, by the pool. No, 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 no. In in Doctor No, he's sitting oh, at right. a, like a, a poker, poker table. table Baccarat, Baccarat, absolutely. Yeah. They're sitting at the Baccarat table. He's got the cigarette inside its mouth. He lights it, or someone lights it for him. And they filmed that with both Sean Connery and sorry, I keep forgetting this fucking Richard, Richard Johnson. Richard Johnson's Most name. generic name. It's yeah, Dick Johnson. It's two penises. This is his name. <laughs> uh, so Richard Johnson. They 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 filmed it with both of them, and. Basically, everyone decided before filming it that this Richard Johnson guy looked just like him, but it was a little bit hotter, you know? And, like, more posh. A little yeah, more posh. Yeah, he's more scholarly. And then they, they filmed this scene with both of them, and they what they did was they screened it just to women. And they asked just the women which one of these guys is... You know... Gonna wind up in Dr. Butcher? That's Richard Johnson, right? <laughs> zombie. Oh, yes, Zombie. Oh, we're he's the doctor. Thinking. He's the doctor in well, Zombie. No, well, I'm going to get to that. Hang on. No, 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 no. So, what the fuck? Okay, so yeah. that's the thing. He's originally supposed to be the first James Bond. Loses to Sean Connery. Ends up a Lucio Fulci movie. David Warbeck was originally supposed to be the Roger Moore James Bond. Which I kind of, I love Roger Moore, but I wish I would. I think happened. David Warbeck would have been a David sick James Warbeck Bond. David Warbeck is incredible. But... Once again, ends up in Lucio Fulci movies. Wow. Isn't that weird? Lucio Fulci is this a weird... doctor. He's a doctor in the beyond. Yeah. And so is Richard Johnson. Yep. Damn. Whoa. I would. I wish that like Fulci lived long enough for like- To make his own Bond movie? No, 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 no. <laughs> Remember when um originally they wanted Pierce Brosnan for Bond and yes. then he got called back to like uh, Remington, Remington Steel. Steel. So they got Timothy Dalton. If if instead of afterwards, if Fulci was still pumping him out, yeah. like you could see, like yeah, he could have been in Demonia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like yeah, Pierce Brosnan has to fucking you know close the fucking gates of hell and get some uh, rotten maggots in his fucking. No, 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 no more foreplay. Pierce Brosnan is in. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show. One of my least favorite movies of all time, Nomads. Oh, which, yeah, the vampire movie? No, Nomads is Adam Ant plays one of this gang of punks who just like drive around California vandalizing things and killing people. And Pierce Brosnan plays a doctor. He's 
an anthropologist who's studying this like demon spirit that nomad tribes believe in. And he thinks that this spirit is possessing these young punks. The movie's so bad. There but are you, nuns thing is, though, is in that it. You, it, you hate Adam. For Ant. some reason, I, I thought, love Adam. Ant. I thought it was a vampire movie for some reason. I know that movie. I, I forget. It has a famous director. It's like one of his first movies. Yeah, but it's not a good movie. It's like, even Fulci's bad low budget movies I find endearing in a way. And if Nomads had been directed by Fulci, I'm sure it would have been one of those. Cause there's like a weird scene with nuns, but like, damn. I'm sorry I took us on this tangent. It's okay. You guys ready to go and cigar bullet oh shit okay yeah before, i just had to say it. Yeah, yeah before we move on to movie number four yeah cigar bullet well Assassin. that's that's the best part of some of these euro spy movies is not just like the great sex jokes but the gimmicks that they use to kill people ah yeah for sure i wonder if that would work i always wanted to put a firecracker on somebody's cigarette that works yeah i'd oh, imagine yeah. that would blow somebody's fingers yeah, yeah. off they, they used to sell um, not firecrackers, but there were these little things that you can like stick down the tip of a cigarette that look just like a little tiny fuse. So you would light it, and like two drags in, the cigarette would explode. Yeah. But like not like it wouldn't like explode like you know your Aunt Michelle's face is now right, covered right. in blood. But like <laughs> Aunt Michelle is gonna get a little scared. You know, her cigarette just blew up. No, I always wanted to see a movie where that's like how somebody escaped. They they crammed a, uh, a firecracker in somebody's cigarette and they lit it and it exploded and in the chaos they escaped. Johnny, I got a I got be a movie script that we got to make here. Anyway, All right. movie number four, <laughs> which doesn't really have any fun gimmicks, although eh, it's got some. It's got Nazis. It's got little people. It's got a karate. lot of white karate guys. The The clue that we were given for movie number four was crazed karate cult. Cl- Let me say that again. <laughs> no way. Just leave that in there. <laughs> I don't know why I said karate. <laughs> Be- I, I, because it, you're sleep deprived. Listen, if you eat a lot of popcorn, you don't sleep enough. There's people that say it like that. Yeah. It's not us, though. <laughs> <laughs> crazed karate cult classic. We thought this was going to be a Sonny Chiba movie. I was so sure that when I saw the opening credits and a white dude's face showed up, I had to leave the theater for 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, that was was Sam's uh, Gotta Get a Sandwich movie. I'm not going to lie. This is the type of movie that I come for. Like these ultra low budget like it's clearly a movie where like some karate school like got or some guy right they got James a little bit Ryan. of money yeah no 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 the, the the very beginning credit said the south african karate association right. like of japan so or, yeah or something like that but it was south african it's a know. bunch of weirdos who don't know how to make a movie make a weird exploitation movie and and like i'm there for that yeah like one guy happens to have a bunch of fucking nazi shit because he just has some laying around and they got a little person friend who's like willing to do handstands for like half the movie yeah. and like get wrestled by these like muscle bound karate guys just screaming into the fucking abyss. It's a it's a wild movie. But the thing is 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 like John was saying, it's the kind of movie that we go to this shit for. Did we say what the title was yet? Did we? Kill or be killed. Kill or be killed. From 1977. There you have it, folks. Kill or Be Killed from 1977. <laughs> a very memorable uh, title. Hard to forget. I was calling I like it. Title. I was calling it uh, 
die or, ki- or kill or die. I, f- yeah, I kept forgetting what it was. And I was just like throwing word salad around. But I mean, this wasn't a great movie. This was, uh, you know, it was like a fucking karate ninja weird fighting school movie that was just a bunch of screaming white guys. But it was ridiculous. But there was a Nazi who... It was basically like Mortal Kombat, except really low budget, made by Australians, and I think South in, Africans. Is it Australian? I I thought it was South Africa. Oh no, I guess it is South African. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't. For some reason, my brain. Yeah, it went right it, to Australia, and it, and it has like this premise that should work, but like didn't have an actual screenwriter, so it just falls apart and takes forever to get to where it, where it should go yeah but the thing is is this is sandwiched in the middle of a fucking exploitation movie marathon and it's the kind of movie that if we had just like watched it one night on tubi would have been like yeah that shit sucked but like watching it in this environment it was so much fun you know i i also wonder if and this is really petty of me but i'm happy to admit that about myself if the clue had been like crazy South African low budget yeah. cult movie, if I was and I just like really didn't know what to expect and didn't see the word karate and think I'm going to see Sonny Chiba. Yeah, because cult classic seems very heavy handed for a movie like this. Like the Street Fighter is a cult classic. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also why I was so sure it was going to be a bigger movie. Yeah. yeah I thought this it, was going to be one of the the. the the heavy hitters. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, a karate flick. Or you even know? or even like one of the canon ninja movies. Right. Which I don't hate all... I, and I didn't hate this movie by any means. It just... It wasn't my... It was my least favorite movie of the day, but I still had too. fun with it. Yeah, and, and I think that goes back to what we were saying in the beginning was that like we, we had expectations. We had guesses. We were like... I tried so hard not to. It's it's so hard not to get swept up when you look at that fucking list of hints. It's a wonderful feeling, but also can come back and bite you in the ass a little bit, you know? And just learn to let go, like me. Yeah. Honestly, what you do is amazing. You like I sit down, I eat that popcorn, I'm gonna watch shit. And I I I'm at the point like I don't want it to be the one I know. Yeah. And that so that's I think Part of why I got so tripped up with this movie was because I was convinced it would be some Sonny Chiba movie I hadn't seen yet. And as soon as I saw that it wasn't. But like this is the sort of movie that I typically would love where there's this like Nazi who lost the world martial arts olympic championships in 1936 against, against some, to an imperial japanese guy but but he he cheated that's what really got yeah him. yeah yeah the imperial japanese guy was given diamonds to the refer or, or the judges or something in this like karate tournament in the 30s and i mean it's those just axis fucking... powers turning on each other yeah and it was fucking yeah. It was a ridiculous goddamn movie and you Set know what in a lego castle and, yes. and just before it <laughs> yes. started our our friend Josh turned around and he handed me a beer. And I was like, all right, baby, this yeah. is here Time. we go. You know, and the opening credits were like they had they were so funny. The opening credits were all just these like fucking white dudes with muscles flexing. And they were uh, they had like a projector projecting the names of like camera operator like you know louis newton and it's like fucking on this guy's bicep but he Which has to like awesome has to hold his arm real steady so that way it like it's just it's so funny 
And and yeah, you know, this is to me, I didn't like this movie. I'm so glad I watched it at the fucking X Fest. I can't even say I didn't like it. I just because I feel like if you're in the right mindset and you're say really drunk, this could be super fun. Yeah, this is this is a beers with the boys if, movie. If this was know? earlier when I wasn't hungry and it was like it was in the start and I'm like here I'm at X Fest I've been waiting for this all year, you know, it would have played better with me. But I was already at the point where I was like it's time to get something to eat. What is this? Yeah, you know, I think I'm I'm on team Sam with the idea of if the if the clue was South African madness with a fighting tournament. You know, I'd have been yeah, like, all South right. African movie where they turn a car into a sailboat in the desert. Yeah, right. I would have right. been yeah. like, Weird all right, let's Wow, go. this is so funny. Yeah. How, like, the more we describe the shit that goes on in this movie, the more I'm like, this movie sounds pretty Weird fucking good. Weird South African Nazi versus ninja. That's, yeah. that's how you do it. There you go, baby. They are the gladiators of the modern age. Yeah. <laughs> Summoned for a contest of martial arts champions. Two international karate teams in combat like there has never been before. Steve Hunt has captured every martial arts title in America. Shion Sensei. Us. Now he's been lured to an impenetrable desert fortress to compete for a fortune in diamonds. Instead, he is fighting for his life against a private army of karate commandos prepared to strike at the whim of a madman. There can be no second best when you heed the command to kill or be killed. All right, movie number five was an underseen martial arts drama. Now, because the last movie, when we were guessing our, our clues and whatnot, the last movie said karate, we're like, okay, it's going to be a Japanese movie. And then this one was underseen martial arts drama. I was thinking it was going to be a movie like Come Drink With Me or like Last Hurrah for Chivalry, but more obscure than those two. you know. But a Shaw Brothers period piece and i was certain of it because of course the last movie's japanese this one's going to be like an old chinese flick nope this movie was crimson bats the blind swordswoman a japanese film from 1969 directed by saratsuga matsuda and starring yoko matsuyama and oh my god it may be my favorite movie of the day for me Hands down. Yeah. Like, this was the movie that was perfect for me. This movie was about a blind swordswoman whose name is Oichi. And if <laughs> John's laughing because. Uh, Minus the Zat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And one of my all time favorite series of films is the Zatoichi films. And right now, I am currently doing my like second and a half rewatch of the whole series i'm up to movie six me and sam are watching them together and, oh my god it's it's so good absolutely I wonderful fucking love zadoichi i love the blind swordsman and this was just like the female spin on the zadoichi movies but oh it was so good it was so 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 good i loved it this was toei too right i think it was toei they so 
they had a problem with the aspect ratio at first, so it was sort of hard to see. Yeah, I only saw the Japanese um, subtitles, subtitles, which were like written in well, like black etched. metal oh my font gosh. No, for some they reason. Were, no. They were etched into the print. Oh. Yes. So someone, I, I, I don't know. I really want to read about this process. And I, I actually, I wanted to ask Harry about it, if he knew anything about it. Because it looks like what happened was, is they... It looks like they almost made these like really sharp stamps yeah. for every single subtitle in the movie and cut it right onto the film negative or, or whatever, or, or the reel itself. Is yeah, that the negative? Into, or? into the reel, yeah. Yeah, like onto, onto the frames. And it's just like... It looks amazing, it but looks strange awesome. at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's like this like scratchy, crazy, like it looks like... It's like the Sepultura S. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely there's some black metal yeah. letters going on there. Like uh, Sam was saying, the the aspect ratio is off in the beginning and they like stopped the movie. And what was really funny is before the movie started, me and Sam had a bet. I said, Sam, this is going to be a Shaw Brothers movie. And I was so convinced it wasn't going to be Shaw Brothers. Sam oh, yeah. Says, where's my dollar? Oh. Okay. Listen, oh. let me fucking tell the people at home what the bet was before I cough up your blood money. <laughs> I said, it's going to be a Shaw Brothers movie. Sam says, it's not going to be a Shaw Brothers Harry movie. Harry wouldn't do that. Harry wouldn't do that. And me being, you know, Mr. Confidence, I say, well, I bet you $1 that it's going to be a Shaw Brothers movie. And Sam's like, nope. And I'm like, listen, wait till you see what... They're going to have to open up the curtains for that... Shaw scope. Shaw scope, baby. It's going to be wide screen. And then when the movie starts up and, like, it's not widescreen. I'm like, okay, I don't think so. And then like you hear the fucking screen goes black and then they spread open the curtains. And I look over at Sam and I'm like, Hmm, looks like we're getting a little Shaw scope. No, and I was still like, no, there is a girl wearing a kimono. This isn't a fucking Shaw Brothers movie. They have Japanese people in Shaw Brothers movies. Sometimes the best like is, it's not even like when somebody's wrong, but like they double down on being wrong right yes. before they find out they're wrong. That's like makes it that much more tasty. Yeah. yeah. So okay, I owe you a dollar, Sam. It was not a Shaw Brothers movie. Even better, it was well, a fucking Zadowichi knockoff. You don't have to pay me a dollar, but what you do have to do. So as we learned, there are four of these movies, and the thing that I learned like half an hour ago is much like with. Sadoichi and with uh, the mute swordsman, which is his brother Wakiyama from Lone Wolf and Cub is in it. Like a lot of these were turned into TV series. And apparently uh, Taro Ishii, the great Aroguro director who we've talked about on a past episode. Is Aroguro just like fucking Japanese torture porn? It's just like bondage. Erotic grotesque. That's what Aroguro means? Yes. Wow. Yeah, we will have to do an Arrow Girl episode because I have a big project coming up that I'm very excited about. Can't talk about yet, but I will want to sort of do. Wow. But you work on some pretty cool stuff. I do. I'm very. <laughs> but yeah, this this movie fucking rocked, and and I'm biased. Obviously, I love the fucking Zadoichi. I love the Blind Swordsman, and like Sam was saying, like a lot of these movies they make. For Zadoichi, they made fucking 26 of them, and then they did four seasons of a TV show. 
this one, the I Crimson think, Bat series, they made four of them, and then they did, you know, I, I, I think it, I think it's one season of a TV show. But the fact that Taro Ishii directed almost half the season means it's probably going to be fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, did, it, he did Blind Woman's Curse. Oh fuck! To yeah. give you an example, so the company that did this was not Toei. It was sh- I'm going to pronounce this wrong. You guys are going to have to help me. Show Shochiku. Yes, Shochiku. They were a studio who folded. I think maybe not too long after this. They did um, X from Outer Space, a favorite of ours, Charles. Oh, when Hurricane Shochiku. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, that, that studio. Yes, yes. Oh, they're terrific. Yeah, yeah. that fucking that that uh, Criterion box set that has the X from Outer Space, the Goki. Living Skeleton, Goki Body Snatcher from Hell, and uh, Genocide. Genocide. Awesome fucking box set. Those movies are sick. Anyway, to get back to this this fucking blind swordswoman, who is great. This movie was emotional. I fucking cried. It's a fucking melodrama, which I was so hyped about. I love these fucking movies. There's a scene three quarters of the way through the flick when blind swordswoman, the fucking crimson bat, walks into a gambling hall which and it's so sad she wants she's there only to raise money to buy back this teenage virgin who is forced to go to a brothel to cover her father's debts it's it's all that kind of plot yes but with that with that said when she walked in the gambling hall i got fucking hyped I got so excited. I could see it. Like I started doing this like fuck like Dance I was just in fucking your chair. Yeah, I started dancing around because I've seen fucking 26 Zadoichi movies. I've seen fucking half of the TV show. The gambling den scenes are They're my awesome. favorites in Zadoichi. I I turned around. Our friend Brian Baines was sitting behind me and I and I like beckoned for him like like to lean forward. I need to whisper some secret something important some secret truth in your ear <laughs> and brian baines looks fucking annoyed that i'm interrupting him from vibing in this movie and he's like what and i'm like she's gonna cut the dice in half and he's like okay you know and like leans back in his chair <laughs> like why am i sitting behind this freak <laughs> yeah and the scene goes on for like seven ten minutes it's she keeps fucking winning because even though she's blind she can hear the way the dice are landing she's got fucking super hearing baby and and like the scene's going on there's all this shit going down i'm like oh fuck She's not going to cut the dice in half. I'm going to look like a goddamn idiot. And then, like, at the end of the scene, like, she throws her sword into the air and fucking sticks onto the wall. And, like, one Ryu, like, one gold coin goes through the sword. And then the sword falls down and she cuts the the dice basket in half. And then she, and it opens up. The cheating up, basket. The cheating dice basket. And sure enough, she cut the dice in half and there were weights inside. The little, they were metal, the little, little metal balls. Little metal balls. Trick dice. And I and like I turn around and look at Brian Baines and I was like, "Yup, <laughs> I knew it, baby. I knew it." <laughs> Sometimes you have to be proud of the arcane knowledge in your brain. Yeah, but and and also like you would think that even though you like know what's gonna happen. And like sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I, I can see this coming from a mile away. This shit sucks. But with this, it's the opposite. It's like. Baby, I can't wait to see yeah, you. No, there's like when you watch a certain subgenre you like, and you get to that trope you love, and it just—it's yeah. like a little—it's like a warm blanket. For yeah. me, for me, it's like in those. Uh, also, the same thing happens in a lot of Meikokaji gambling movies. 
It's so good every time. It's like when she does the, when she puts her forearm out and she does the ritualized Yakuza greeting where she squats down and she says her name and what clan she's from and what neighborhood she represents. Every time I see it, I'm just excited. It's so fucking cool when they do that. Or it's like when, um, like fans of slasher films, when they're watching Friday the 13th part three and the blonde girl takes her tits out and then like, you know, like, all right, set the timer. When's she going to be decapitated? Yeah. She's getting (laughs) fucking macheted in five minutes. My favorite for the slasher movies is the, uh, the boy who cried wolf. The one, the guy who always fakes, like he's always screaming or there's, there's blood on him. It turns out it's like, he's playing a prank. And then later on when they find this corpse, they're like, Oh, Shelly. They're like, you did such a good job with your makeup this time. But the thing is, though, is that it's like those kinds of tropes, like when you know them, you probably know them because you love them. You love these movies. You love seeing the scenes. So like when I was watching this, I had never seen this movie before. I didn't even know this movie existed, to be honest with you. And and like to watch it and to feel so familiar to feel like i'd seen it before and then afterwards to find out there's fucking four of these movies i have watched every zadoichi movie twice i'm watching them all a third time and it's like i obviously want more of this stuff Uh-oh. and i just found out there's four of these it's, and it's, there's a tv show there's the camera to to zadoichi's godzilla you absolutely. got another well, there's also like 12 Red Peony Gambler movies. So once we're through all the Crimson Bat movies, then we can move on to those. Yeah, I'm three into those. They're fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I have the Crimson Bat sequels. I can send them to you. Oh, thank yes. you. Oh, thank you yes, so much. Please. That's awesome. And I, I need someone to find the show. Uh, I I can get that. I just got an invitation to a... There's so secrets. many of these, though, Sites. that like... Yeah. No, I hope I they never run out. No, we'll we'll never fucking we'll run out. We'll die before they run out, or yeah. the world will just implode. And and that's that's another thing that I love about X Fest is that I'm gonna leave this fucking marathon on a mission. On a mission, like now there's there's a whole other area for me to dig in because I was blind and like fucking. And now you can the see. exhumed films kings have shined a light onto. You know, I don't fucking know. It's just in a in a weird way. It kind of reminds me of some of the positive feedback we've gotten, which I'm very grateful for. So thank you. Where sometimes people will write in and say like, wow, listening to this episode, I found out about so many movies I now want to watch that I didn't even know existed. And that's my favorite part of X-Fest. And that's also why I was so sure it probably wasn't going to be a Shaw Brothers movie because I, yeah. I felt like Harry hasn't been able to do X-Fest in two years. He mm-hmm. wants to bring out some obscure shit. And also the fact that like every single movie that we had guessed, we were so fucking off that like the we fact- We were close with Rape Squad. Yeah, it was- Yes, 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 yes. It was Suburban Mom Rape Squad, which I think is a great follow-up to Suburban Dad, Man on a Mission. Yeah, you know? yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, really- Despite the fact that these there were a couple, not actually hiccups. This was a great fucking marathon. They, they look a like great movies for your parents that were played on USA on an afternoon. Yeah, I mean, this was. I think this was really well created, or yeah, not created, curated. curated yes, <laughs> <laughs> I have curated a monster. Uh, yeah, this was just a solid year, and to fucking take things into fucking eleventh gear or whatever the saying is, it's not that twelfth gear. 
I thought it was ninth gear. gear. Ninth oh, gear. no. Uh, these amps go up to 11. Oh. And you put the car into overdrive. I don't know how many gears are in a fucking car. I'm an idiot. Oh, I thought there were, it was a, Seven? a bike reference. Movie number six was an Italian Polizio Tecci film from a legendary director. Now, if you know anything about the Italo crime subgenre, a lot of fucking legendary directors dip their toes in the waters. So there's a lot of movies this could be. So this is the only movie programmed that I had seen. And if you've ever listened to our show, you know that Charles has repeatedly said he doesn't really like Poliziotesky movies, which mm. is shocking to me. And this ah. one, I'm glad you felt differently about it. I fucking loved this movie. Uh, movie number six was High Crime, directed by... The great Enzo Castellari. Attention, attention. Yeah, All yeah. units in zone C proceed at once to be afraid. I'm gonna track them down, every last one of those hoes. I'm gonna get the proof. You got a warrant? How about this? <laughs> This movie was fucking awesome. I mean, I'm, I am i don't dislike Plezioteski films. I just, I've seen a lot that I don't like. And I know there's so many in the genre that, like, I think I didn't like the first few that I saw. And I was like, okay, maybe I just don't like these fucking movies. Yeah, but be- the last few that I've seen, I'm like, I've loved every single one of these. And it's it's easy to write them off because uh, much like, like Westerns, there's not that much variation because you can only do so yeah. much with that or else it would not be that genre anymore yeah for sure and and also so this movie stars the fucking most one of the most beautiful men in the world what's this goddamn name franco nero (laughs) (laughs) he is so hot Oh my God! It's what? out of even with his stupid blonde hair in this movie, he's just out of control hot. Yeah, he, he's awesome. And like, there have been some times where I love the movies that he's in, but like, I kind of don't understand why he's like held up as like a fucking god. You know, like I know he's got blue eyes and like you know he's kind of smooth and stuff, but like 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 Django for example, I think that he's like one of the weakest links in the movie like the movie i think is fucking awesome but like i don't love him in it and but in this movie this was one of the best performances i've ever seen him fucking give like he was over the top and like screaming for half the movie but then he would have these moments where like you could see beyond it and you could tell like oh you're a good guy aren't you you're actually a really fucking nice guy. Like, you care about these people that you're screaming at. And it's it's a really hard, like, line to walk when you're doing a performance where, like, you're, you're a loud asshole. That's the character you're playing. And for the audience to, like, fully get on your side and to, like, feel your pain and to, like, want you to, you know win in the end when you're such a fucking loud ding dong job well done like that's a fucking hard line to walk and franco nero kills it in this movie but he's not just an asshole like maurizio merley is in some of the yeah i love him for that though (laughs) i know they're but they're very different where here it's like he's 
Oh, Batgirl. He's only an asshole when he's frustrated because these high-level criminals are getting away with everything. Yeah, they're all like super, super rich business fucks in that are working in France and working in Italy. Yeah, anytime in one of these movies you, you go to Marseille, you know that some drugs are coming in from the Middle East and some shit is going to go down. This movie reminded me of another Franco Nero Euro crime that I actually like a little bit better called um, Confessions of a Police Captain. Oh, mm, I, you should check it out. I've seen it. Oh, have you? Yeah, I, I don't love that one. Really? I actually so, think that's like the more serious, like grounded. One. Okay, you know what? I, I watched that on a box set that had like fifty exploitation movies. Oh on yes, it. yes, yes. That's the so first time I've seen it too. It the the quality was very questionable. And I had just watched, uh, I think it's Diodato's film, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. Yeah. Because right. it was on the same disc. And I wasn't, I didn't like that very much. What? And Well, well so, Confessions of Police Captain, like the one of the, like I like the Eurocrime ones that are actually like trying to be more like real movies and exploitation movies. Yeah. And, and, and like there are perfect ones that kind of find like that balance. Of, like, like the Fernando de Leo ones. Yes. Find the balance. Yes. Where it's like, okay, you're going to get you like your bloody executions and car chases, but it's also going to be like quite serious. And, and Henry Silva wearing the like tiny little yellow bathrobe. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You love to see. Usually it. it's, it's uh Sam that says this, this stuff, but like we got to talk about, what Franco Nero was wearing in this movie. Oh my God. The like Obsessed. layered purple suit that like somehow didn't make him look like the Joker. Like he looked fucking cool because yeah, it was the, the tie was like when the tie is too short. short yeah. Short, which always look ugly, but somehow but not on him. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And then later he wears this gray suit with a gray tie. And it's just like the, all the ties in this so i am someone who randomly like have very little fashion sense on my own i basically wear black jeans and movie and band t-shirts but i partly became obsessed with italian movies because they always have the best clothes the best decor and everyone in these poliziotesky movies like i've said this before on other podcasts and on our discord i want someone to make me uh, year calendar that's just like the ties of Poliziotesky <laughs> movies or even more so the the winter coats of Poliziotesky oh movies. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. It's it's so funny how like uh, me and Sam are like the yin and yang of people who are whispering during movies. Like I'm whispering like, who the fuck is that guy? What do I know this guy I'm like, from? I'm like, look at this tie. Yeah, look, oh, look at that lamp back there. Look at that, that, that lamp is amazing. There was a gumball machine lamp in this movie. Wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. The, 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 I don't even know what it was. The Whoa. ping pong shooting oh, toy yes. conveyor belt thing that blew my mind. It's it was what like, I want for Christmas. There was a scene in this movie where there was this like children's toy that was also this Rube Goldberg machine that was like bouncing fucking marbles that would go in this thing and shoot up on this thing and like... And John, like... Lost it? You oh. lost it. When you saw that fucking so toy, cool. man, I, I was, was like... I was delirious at this point, too. Yeah. No, but that thing was cool as hell. It was awesome. But that's what so many of 
these like Jalo movies and Polizia Teschi movies, there's always so much shit in the background. Yeah, there's it's just yeah. it's like you can no, watch that ten times. Not even like that, stuff. but like a lot of Italian movies, Italian general, movies. like e- even like the Emmanuel movies when you you go to her apartment and there's like she yeah. has like a desk that's a giant uh marble red box and I'm like I want that like it, everything. It's just I, yeah, I want everything. I want else. the '70s to come back. Movies, music, quaaludes. Yes, everything. Ooh, you can drive drunk and the cops don't mind that much. You don't have to wear seatbelts. Yeah. You can smoke cigarettes with impunity and oh, not and the, know and, and, that you're yeah, going to drop on dead. On the plane? Yes, in the hospital. In the dual plane hospital combination. Oh, well, oh yeah, the Pan and, Am. And the combination. Those Pan Am planes that were like giant planes that had like those a bar. Those things were awesome. Yeah. <sighs> we really missed out. The we world's we're, we're living in a shitty planet that's burning to death. Yep. Thanks, Margaret Thatcher. Is that the one? Is that the main cause? Is that who we have to terminate her? No. I'm sure there's more than that. You can... Way more than that. Margaret Thatcher wasn't that bad. What? Margaret Thatcher was fine. She was. She had girl power. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was the original girl boss. The original Actually, the queen, Queen Elizabeth was probably Sam, the original girl boss. Why do you, and it was all downhill do so from much? the 1600s. Why can't you support a powerful woman who just like quashes and helps kill a bunch of coal miners who were trying to have work i mean like these guys should have gotten back to work am i right you know and what's with these freeloaders and all those children who died like Uh, and honestly maybe they should have been dressed differently or playing somewhere else and those uh fucking rabble rousers up in uh northern ireland so-called northern ireland oh my god fucking just reunify with england and get back to fucking work (laughs) anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be firebombed like in a polizia teschi movie <laughs> we're just shot in the middle of the street like the fucking police commissioner do they still do that is that still like a big thing that i haven't seen that since the devil's own in the 90s so i don't know if it what still happens what we're we talking about the... ireland throwing molotov cocktails at your oh car. you know what um... oh i was talking about it happening in italy but it happened yeah certainly I, in ireland yeah i know like the whole that years whole of lead thing. yeah good that we live in america where like you can go anywhere and not worry about getting shot to death <laughs> <laughs> especially if you're a child yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome country. Uh, All right. Movie number seven was one that I think... I was so fucking hyped for. When we got the list of hints and we read every single one of them, when we got to movie number seven, that was the one we were looking for when we went down the list. We wanted to see those two fucking beautiful words that are Hong Kong, baby. Movie number seven, Hong Kong action adaptation of a popular manga. And we had it narrowed down. We knew exactly what this movie was going to be, I, folks. I, I, we we had it narrowed sure. down to three options. It was either going to be A, Ricky O, the story of Ricky. Oh, I'm so, I'm sorry, four options. Or B, Gogol 13. Or, obviously, the movie that we were certain it was going to be, no doubt in our minds, City Hunter. City Hunter. 
City, the one that Choi Hark oh, like, yes. secretly co-directed. Yes. Okay, here's the thing. As the day went on, we added 500 more guesses. No, no, when no. we first looked at the fucking thing, we thought it was going to be like these two movies. In the In the very beginning, like the whole time, honestly, like I, I, I know I say I don't guess, but like when I looked at it, I was like, that's Ricky O. I would have put like $10 down on it. It's the it's like a, a, the closing movie. It's well known. You want to end with a fucking banger, you know. Everybody knows Ricky O. Everybody loves Ricky O. You know, As when, they should. Right, Lame like Guy Kai is incredible. When, when, when Slayer is done playing, they end with Raining Blood. You know what I mean? You want to end with that motherfucker, yeah. yeah. And you're just Which like, yeah, Ricky rain O. Blood, yeah, in fact. yeah. It's yes. just like so. so when, <laughs> halfway oh, through bad. the marathon, uh, Bruce Holchek came back. And and I guess you and him were talking about about this movie. And he said, because he's a fucking Simon Yam expert, he said, what if it is Killer's Romance? And lo and behold, movie number seven was Killer's Romance, a 1990 Hong Kong action film written, produced and directed by Philip Coe. And fuck, what a sick Awesome fucking heroic bloodshed, wackadoo sort of. movie. Yeah, so yeah, wackadoo. It's, it's a, yeah, it's weird. It all takes place in London, and Simon Yam plays this uh, like Chinese dude who was raised by Japanese like yakuza members or something. Yeah, like the head of a yakuza syndicate is his adopted dad. His adopted dad decided that he didn't want him to lose his Chinese cultural roots, so he had him also be raised by this like uncle character who was like, you know, a guy from Hong Kong. And the whole movie I don't know. It's a little confusing. It's one of those ones that has like a lot of stuff going on in the plot for not that much reason because it's pretty much just a straightforward like revenge drama his fucking his his father figure is killed in the very beginning he was like the head of the fucking you know the gang he's in and now Simon Yam is the de facto head of the gang and he plays this like fucking you know very reserved moping kind of quiet guy who's just on a fucking death mission in england to go back to the fashions like oh, this yeah. this like fall catalog simon 90s Yam. fall catalog yeah oh yeah yeah it's- absolutely i mean the guy was an underwear model and when you watch this movie you're like yeah dog you are looking good in all this wacky shit they're making you wear today and the weird thing about this is like this has been on the list of Simon Yam movies that I really want to see. I had no idea it was a manga adaptation. And based on reading the plot of Crying Freeman is not similar to it at all. It It's sort of there are three things going on in the plot. Number one, a lot of it is ripped off from The Godfather. It's like this Chinese gang has to deal with this young upstart who wants to do things differently and bring in drugs, which like the older, more distinguished members don't want to do. And he teams up with a crooked member of the Yakuza family who wants the same things. And so like, that's the main plot is this like Yakuza family intrigue. The second plot is that Simon Yam's character this woman witnesses him killing someone and instead of 
killing her in turn, they fall in love. Yeah, well, and, like, the reason why she doesn't, like, turn him into the police is because Simon Yam is just so fucking hot. I mean, like, come on, ladies. Well, you that, see this guy, and it's just like, mm, That's fucking... what I was going to say is the third plot. of the, the plot of the movie is Simon Yam being hot in different yeah, scenes, the... riding a horse... Yeah. Like. Oh my gosh. It's like, <laughs> what's the movie where the fucking Hoover Dam gets blown up, and all the water comes out of the Hoover Dam? There's, there's probably like a thousand disaster movies. That movie. You know, it's like the fucking Hoover Dam opening up every single time Simon Yam walks on a screen. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's and there doesn't have to be any dialogue justifying what's going on with the female character who's played by joey wong who's adorable and great if you've seen many hong kong movies you know her it's like they don't even have to say why joey wong isn't turning this assassin in it's because it's fucking simon yam and he's hot yeah and he wears a giant leopard prince a giant leopard muff scarf thing oh my god you just love to see it you love to see it and like for the fucking closer like, this is what you want. You want a fucking... Weird melodrama. Uh, yeah, that has, like, three gunfight scenes where, like, the fucking guns they use in this movie, they're not just fucking handguns. They're not just fucking shotguns. Like the handgun, like, goes down his entire arm. The shotgun looks like a fucking trash can. Like, it's this huge fucking trash can. The guy's, like, spinning and shooting. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, know? I like... And, guns that are like variations of like guns you normally see and i like it when they all have their own distinct like sound when they shoot like yeah. it's pleasing to the ears to me yeah and fucking squibs squibs you know that's why we go to this fucking marathon we want to see some packets of blood that were left in the back of someone's suit jacket just explode yeah. Ugh. like big and also squibs. not just gunfights there are there's a lot of katana action yeah and hand-to-hand -hand combat and honestly i was pretty impressed with simon yam's fighting prowess because i've always like yeah the guy's an underwear model he's a good actor he's gotta fight all them ladies off yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah he's got some fucking moves man and also has was thrown in i almost want to watch the movie again just so i can get a count He's thrown into so many tables and pieces of furniture in the second half of the movie. It's like it's staggering. Mm. And, and there's no bruising to the face. Though. <laughs> there's one really funny thing they did twice in the movie. Uh, during there's two different car chases, and they're like clearly going through the streets of Manchester in in England, and fucking, and then like when the cars flip over. All of a sudden, they're on this, like, giant... It almost looks like a fucking airplane runway with a bunch of broken cars on the side of the road. And then the cars all flip over. Like, clearly, it's like this, like, car stunt back lot, right, right. you know, or something. And I'm like, okay, whatever. They don't have a huge budget to be fucking flipping cars over in England. You know, it's a little Hong Kong movie. And then, like, later in the movie, they do the same thing again. There's like, another car chase. And then they go right back to the airport just for the fucking, like, car to flip over. But, but you know, I love that shit. Like, these movies are awesome. And, and, and Simon Yam, for the last movie, oh, I could gosh. not have hoped for such, no. such a blessing from Harry. Thank exactly. you, Harry. Last month, we went to the Hong Kong-a-thon up in New York. And we unfortunately did not get any Simon Yam that day. 
We did get some Anthony Wong though. We did. He's 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 our he's our boy too. But here we are. We we got our we got our Simon Yam fix in just to close off this wonderful X Fest. Can't wait for fucking next year. Just it's a it's a great day. It's it's so worth it. We go to this fucking weird town, spend the night, live off popcorn, watch great fucking movies, see old friends, make new friends. See drunk it's, college kids almost fight. Oh my god! Every time we go to this fucking town, we see some fucking like Hell yeah. you know suburban brawl break out in front of like the Irish bar that's just blasting flogging Molly or like Dropkick Murphys all day long. Yeah, that '90s cover band was terrible. Oh my god! There's a guy playing. Yeah, there, there's cover bands on every single block, Ugh. just like in the bars, out of the bars. It's oh. just. Oh wait, I forgot. We have a question. We have a question. So our question is. If you've seen High Crime, we think that Franco Nero is dubbing himself. Oh, We're yeah. like 90% sure. If you know, I, so I know that he did later in his career start doing his own dubbing once he learned some English. But when he started out, as you can comically tell from the Django English dub, he is not. Yeah. So I just want to know. If you're listening and you know the answer to this for sure, drop us a line. Yeah, I, yeah, and it looked like everyone in high crime was dubbing themselves, dubbing mostly. themselves, and speaking in English. Like the fucking mouths and the words lined up perfectly. Not with everybody, but with a lot of the people. I was like, damn, is Franco Nero fucking speaking English here? What's going on? He had to learn English to be able to seduce Vanessa Redgrave. Although, I don't as think I so. say that, Vanessa no. Redgrave clearly speaks fluent Italian. Yeah. So never mind. You got any shout outs? Any? Um, my only real uh, thing that I wanted to mention is Eureka is putting out an Angela Mao set with Lady Whirlwind and Hapkido on it. I was honored to do a commentary on Lady Whirlwind. Eureka only releases Region B discs, but they're teaming up with Arrow. I don't know when exactly this is happening. The Eureka version is up for pre-order now, but I think at some point they're teaming up with Arrow to do a U.S. version of the same thing that should be all the same extras, including my commentary. It might just have slightly different cover art. And is Lady Whirlwind the one with very young Sammo Hong as one of the yes, villains? Yeah, and she yeah. beats the fucking hell out of yeah. Sammo like three times in the movie. It was one of his first movies as fight choreographer. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I love those Angela Mel movies. I haven't seen them since the... Uh, I forget who did the DVD box set. Yeah, I, I downloaded uh, this like really shitty version of Lady Whirlwind for Sam to watch through the commentary to. But I didn't watch it because I'm like, I can't wait till you get your fucking contributors copy. Because I right. want to, it, it yes. looks awesome. And I can't wait to see what they fucking do with it. Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I have one more shout out. So we mentioned Bruce Holacek, uh, my lovely friend who I think his Instagram name is Cinema Arcana, but he's great. He does a ton of work with companies like Vinegar Syndrome. He worked on the Untold Story disc, and he's also working on the upcoming Dr. Lamb Blu-ray from yeah. Unearthed. So fucking which hype. Which you need to buy. Yeah, We that's, already pre-ordered it from uh, Diabolic DVD. You should do the same. Yeah, I, that's, my, that's the release that I'm most fucking pumped for this year, is seeing our boy Simon Yam 
He's not not as a. Uh, I want to see that jiggle and sever titty. Yeah, in jiggle HD. those oh titties. Oh my god! I want to see. Yeah. I want to see every like. And right. it, it's not what you think when if you haven't seen Doctor Lamb and you just hear us say jiggle and titties. It's it's a whole different. I said thing. Severed. no. I said no. severed. Oh, you did titty. say severed. Yeah. Okay. No, it's exactly what you fucking think. Yeah. It's fucking. It's it's perfect. Yeah. If we're if we're talking it up. You know it's yeah. going to be a dirty, fucking nasty yeah. ass movie. It's a cat movie. three movie. It's, yeah. a, it's a category. Three. No, it's it's not like it's like one of the, like the big four of category three. It's like the Judas Priest of category three movies. <laughs> I mean, I love going to this for to see the fucking movies, but like I have so many friends that I only really get to see at these events, and it's not like you can really fucking like hang out and talk because you're sitting, you're watching movies, so like. It was just so nice to just see everybody. Just to fucking be like, oh, there you are. I love to see you. I'm so glad you're there. And I'm going to go sit down and watch this fucking movie in silence for 12 hours. <laughs> but I, I got a shout out. Sam Reddick, my my dear friend, the absolute fucking king, who gifted us an El Santo mask. I'm wearing it right now. Oh, yeah. I'm never taking this mask off. <laughs> We're going to take turns wearing it. Yeah, this this Halloween we're time sharing the mask. Yeah, me and me and John are gonna go as uh, El Santo and the Blue Demon, and Sam is gonna go as like the fucking vampire woman or right? Tinieblas. Tinieblas, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. We'll see. Uh, Dylan Solstice, fucking you, absolute freak. It was awesome seeing you this weekend. At one point, I was talking to my friend Inessa about like Franz Fanon and uh, Hannah Arendt. And Dylan rolls up and he starts like going off about the CIA. He's got this crazed look in his <laughs> eye. And I was like, oh, my God, I love you so much. You're so nuts. And it's so good to see your friends. Brian Baines and the Richmond boys. Hell yeah. Always a fucking pleasure to, to see them. Ian Dykstra, dude, I didn't recognize you without your Mets hat on. But God, it was so good to see you, too. And all the new friends that we met, Scott Burton, especially another another Richmond King it's so great to have met you. Uh, and honestly, like, I could be yabbering all day because we hung out with so many different people and got to, like, chat for, like, seconds with so many yeah, people. Yeah, a, a grand total of five minutes. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, it was so great. That, like, fucking, there's no time, you know? And it was just so nice to fucking see people and shoot the shit. But when you're locked in a movie theater for 12 hours, you know, it's not really a, a thing you can do. That's but. the thing that frustrates me the most about days like the Hong Kongathon and X-Fest is so many good people come out. Like, not just like we got to meet people who listen to our show, who are on the Discord, who, who drove or flew out and introduced themselves, but also just like seeing old friends who live you know two hours away in new york it's like you want to see them and catch up but like i even saw some philly people who i haven't seen because of the pandemic but it was like i can't talk to you i have to go back into the theater stop trying to <laughs> waylay me I, I love you but i need to watch this movie i need to watch the simon yam trailer yeah like uh, like yeah exactly like, i didn't want to miss the fucking trailers before the movies like i would run out maybe have like Three drags of a cigarette. Oh my god, so many killer trailers this time. Yeah, they were awesome. They were fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, did himself. Yeah. I really missed it after the two-year absence. I know, and I'm so glad it's fucking back, and I can't wait for next year. And hell yeah. And now, now this is making me sad. Like, we need one next month. <laughs> yeah, there should be another type of marathon. Oh. Like, we'll, we'll, maybe, we maybe also we'll, haven't done one in a while. We'll do one. Yeah. We'll do one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's well, true. 
Yeah, maybe we should fucking rent out some, like, VFW hall, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone's coming to our fucking marathon, though. No. All right. Good night, everybody. This was fun. Hell yeah. Night. Good night.